the recommendation of the Bay Crossing Tier 1 NEPA study is that the third Bay Bridge should be constructed in Corridor 7 across Kent Island. This is in direct opposition to the Kent Island Heritage Society Board of Directors wishes. The mission of the Kent Island Heritage Society is to discover, identify, restore, and preserve the heritage of Kent Island. This proposal is a clear threat to preserving the heritage of Kent Island. Jack Broderick, president of the Kent Island Heritage Society, in his statement on the Third Bay Crossing Tier 1 National Environmental Policy Act study. Welcome to Delmarva today. I'm your host, Harold Wilson. My guest this morning is Jack Broderick, president of the Kent Island Heritage Society. Most of you know Kent Island as a huge traffic headache since it hosts the only corridor, Route 5301, across the Chesapeake Bay north of Norfolk, Virginia. During the week, in fact, it carries over 68,000 vehicles each day. This volume jumps to over 118,000 per day over the summer weekends. During these high volume periods, long lines of traffic are familiar on the corridor east of Annapolis and certainly on Kent Island. The state is currently studying this proposal to address the problem including a third span connected to Kent Island. The Kent Island Heritage Society responded to this third span proposal in the tier one NEPA study with both written and oral testimony. Jack Broderick argues that a third span connected to Kent Island and the resulting new traffic infrastructure using the same Route 5301 corridor across the island is a clear threat to preserving the heritage of Kent Island. Jack joins me on Delmarva today this morning to discuss the work of the Heritage Society, the impact of the pandemic on that work, and the society's concern about the new Bay Bridge proposals. Jack, welcome to Delmarva today. Thank you, Hal. It's really a pleasure to be here today with you. Well, it's great to have you here as well. Uh, tell us about the Kent Island Heritage Society. What, what do you guys do? Thank you, Hal. Well, I think you said it in our mission, discover, identify, restore, and preserve the heritage of Kent Island. And I'll talk about that heritage in a minute. We go back almost 400 years. There's a lot of history here. There's a lot of 
Maryland here, and there's a lot of Eastern Shore way of life here. And you mentioned before that for many folks, Kent Island is simply a traffic headache. I have to say for most Kent Islanders is a place that we know and love and really want to protect. You're right that the uh, Heritage Society stepped out and made a, a very strong comment when the tier one NEPA study was finally finished. It's been underway for several years. It looked at a number of different possible crossings of the bay for a third span and came to a conclusion that the crossing across the bay here mid-bay from Sandy Point to Kent Island was the only crossing that would really work. Unfortunate conclusion many of us felt. In fact, we felt that it was probably, in fact, it is the worst conclusion that could be uh, drawn. Part of the problem is that a statement came out of the State House about a year and a half ago that Carter 7, the Kent Island Carter, was the only conclusion that would be supported, which certainly raised the alarm that this wasn't really a legitimate study at all. It was simply an effort to put together a number of facts and figures to come up with the conclusion that was known from the very beginning. The uh, board of directors of the Kent Island Heritage Society really views this as a threat to Kent Island as we know it today, a threat to the heritage of Kent Island and the threat to the essentially the social and economic fabric of what is Kent Island today. The, uh, the Carter itself is uh, in the study is a two mile swath across the middle of Kent Island, one mile on either side of existing Route 50. And it's within that corridor that the potential new crossing infrastructure could come across the island. We're going to talk more about, about the bridge and its impact uh, on uh, the island. But for our listeners, and perhaps some of them who are not familiar with even the eastern shore, much less Kent Island, you said in your testimony uh, concerning the bridge proposal that a third span will threaten the preservation of the heritage of Kent Island. Tell us just a little bit about Kent Island itself. What, what in the world makes it an island? And what is the heritage of this island that uh, you and the society are dedicated to preserving. The, uh, the Isle of Kent, Kent Island, is the largest island in the Chesapeake Bay. Generally towards the center, a little bit north of the center of the bay. It has been settled since uh, August of 1631. It was settled by William Claiborne, who was a uh, official in Jamestown. He set this up as a trading post initially with a very friendly local Indians, so successful that he decided to uh, work to make it a permanent settlement. 
which he did again in August of 1631, predating the settlement of uh, actual Maryland settlement by about three years, which happened in 1634. So that history started a long time ago. Kent Island itself has carried that history forward by being very closely associated with the bay, seafood industry, and with the land, with farming. You look at the Maryland state seal and on there dressed differently, there's a guy holding a fish and a guy holding a shovel, a and a farmer. That pretty much defines the uh, most of the history and heritage of the island. People are on Kent Island because they want to be here. You know, the uh, ferry boat came in in 1933. The uh, first Bay Bridge came in 1952, second one in 1973. Each one brought a different level of new folks moving in and new folks crossing the island. Prior to that time, there was railroad that came onto Kent Island from the early 1900s connected to uh, People Ferry up on Love Point and went on up to Baltimore and all kinds of points north. But it, it, it's had that very strong history. And you know how I, I know it's, you're a Kent Islander, you, you understand what I'm saying. Folks that aren't, when you're here, you are here. You know, there's a feel about Kent Island. There is a, there's a more of a laid back social atmosphere. People generally have common interests and it has to do with the love of the bay, love of the land, love of the small town life. And, you know, you drive into downtown Stevensville and you, even though it's less than a mile off Route 50, you feel like you just drove into Mayberry, like you're in a, a movie set from 60, 70, 80 years ago. And, and you really are. I mean, that was life on Kent Island in the early 1900s. Jack, um, let, let, me, let me back up a little bit to uh, Claiborne. Claiborne. Claiborne settled Kent Island for the English. The Native Americans yes. were here long before Claiborne. They settled yes. the island. Uh, tell me a little bit about uh, the Native Americans that Claiborne found and what became of them as a result of the settlement? Good question, Sal. And it's, you know, it's something that most Kent Islanders have a, have a real interest in. Claiborne decided to set up his permanent settlement here in large measure because he liked the Indians and they liked him. There was a small band of Indians here, about a hundred, part of the larger Nanticoke nation, Algonquian language tradition. And many of the small bands of Indians had their own localized names. The ones that he came in contact with initially were the Mattapeaks. They were very interested in what he had and who he was, and he was very interested in them. So they immediately set up a, a trading agreement where he would trade beaver pelts, beaver fur, believe it or not, uh, for all kinds of items of uh, 
that he brought over from Europe, trade goods, metal weapons, metal tools, glass trade beads that the Indians found very interesting. And when we talk to the kids up at the high school on our Ken Allen heritage, I'll hold up a, an, a wooden ax, wooden handle and stone head lashed to that ax and say, if you had your choice, would you rather, if you had to carve your own boat out of a tree, would you rather use this implement that your grandfather taught you about, or would you rather use this one and hold up a, a metal ax with a, with a modern wooden handle? Choice is obvious. So the Indians had a desire to trade for all kinds of goods that they found very useful. Claiborne saw this. This area reminded him of his hometown in his home country in England, the county of Kent. So he named this island Kent Island in honor of his old home place. The settlement that he, he started, pretty amazing. I mean, those guys hit the ground running. The Indians were successful with them, but I'm sorry to say that over a period of several years, they began to resist and they pulled back further and further north on up the, uh, up the Chester River and on more inland. And there were some good reactions, but also not so good reactions. And then eventually when it became part of Maryland, uh, the treatment of the Indians became pretty harsh. Well, Jack, you were, you were telling me about some of the unique characteristics of, uh, of the island. And I know that island societies are, are generally known to be somewhat insular and um, are generally known to uh, develop uh, the, uh, their, uh, their own characteristics, the characteristics of their, uh, of their culture. Uh, give us a feel for um, this, this uh, Kent Island culture that, that you were uh, expressing a few minutes ago. Yeah, that's a good question now. And I think it's, it, it's developed a very strong sense of place. You know, crabs are a big thing on Kent Island. And uh, most people go crabbing. Um, it's great right out in front of our house here in Cox's Creek. And, you know, people get together, like so many places in Maryland, you're going to celebrate with a crab feast. But there's an old term used here on the island for newcomers, and that is chicken necker. You know, Lester Lee, um, in his chapter, William Warner's book, Beautiful Swimmers, uh, is followed through a day out on the water trout lining on the island. And he's talking about them chicken neckers, you know, and Literally, a chicken necker on Kent Island is, is historically come out of the roots of crabbing, someone who came from somewhere else and doesn't necessarily respect what Kent Island or Kent Island people is all about. In Lester Lee's kind of thinking, his culture in the early 70s, chicken neckers were guys that moved over here from somewhere else on the western shore, used chicken necks for bait rather than the revered eels, and they laid their lines across the watermen. They didn't respect what the watermen were about, and the whole term chicken necker grew up. You know, it's, it's, it's a term of, you might say, gentle derision. Some folks will say, here, I, I was at a meeting last week, and a couple of people got up and said, well, I want you to know 
I'm a chicken necker. I've only been here 25 years. <laughs> um, you know, uh, I've been here 45 years. And some people might say, man, you're a daggone chicken necker. You know, and others would say, well, you know, you, you've really made it, you helped to make a difference here. But Ken Island is, it, it's, it's a sense of place, Hal. You know, I worked over at the Pentagon for years. I retired from there, but came home here to Ken Island. And the best thing was winding that window down to pay my bridge ticket and leaving the window open all the way across the bay. The culture that you're describing, uh, and, and please correct me if I'm wrong on this, but I understand that uh, Kent Island is one of the uh, growth centers in the county, uh, in, in the county um, uh, growth plan. And I see condominiums, offices right across, right across the bridge, five-story buildings, right across um, uh, the, bridge, the bridge going east, uh, the bridge of the Narrows going east, five-story buildings going up, hotels going up. Um, are, you, are you sensing... <clears throat> Are you sensing or are you feeling um, a sense of change in this culture on the island as a result of the growth? That's a very good question, Hal. Um, you know, I think uh, yes and no. There is still a very strong culture on Kent Island that appreciates the island the way it is. There is a, there's a good deal of pushback on some of the high rise proposals that have, that are being made today and uh, that are continuing to go up. I think certain centers like over at the Narrows is in a little bit different kind of situation. I think most folks except that the Narrows has evolved as a, as a tourist area. Still a great deal of, uh, of beauty over there. And, you know, frankly, most folks appreciate the good restaurants that are there. And they also appreciate the, you know, the mix. The, the Waterman Yacht Basin, Waterman Harbor is right south of Route 50. You can see a lot of work boats in there and that's the modern day workmen carrying on that centuries old working the water tradition. We over at the Narrows, we have a, a group of what are known as the Black Captains of the Chesapeake. Many uh, fishing headboats that go out of there daily uh, from the Graysonville side that are very highly respected. And folks come from literally all over the DC, Metro, Philly, uh, Baltimore metro areas uh, to come down and fish with the black captains of the Chesapeake. So there are those changes, but through it all, how is that dynamic sense of place? And I have to say over northeast side of the, northwest side of the Narrows is uh, the Queen Anne's County Heritage and Visitor Center, which is a great place. And I have to encourage your listeners, stop in there sometime. You get a really good sense of what, uh, this county and particularly the, this island is about. And if you have a few minutes, walk out across that bridge up to what is called Ferry Point Park, which looks up 
on the uh, Chester River, north on the river, and you, you get an idea of what John Smith was talking about when he said, heaven and earth never worked uh, more closely together to frame a better place for man's habitation. It, it's, it's neat. And, you know, you, you don't have to look very far to step out and away from some of the modern buildings. There are new people coming in now, but I still see so many of the folks we talk to uh, many of them want to join the Ken Allen Heritage Society and get a little more of an understanding of the, of the uh, society. And when we have our events, man, you know, a lot of people come out. You know. Jack, what are some of the events that you host to uh, celebrate uh, the, um, the history and uh, the heritage of the island? Our, our big event um, every year is the... Um, Ken Island Day in May. And we draw a couple thousand people for that. That is, it's usually, you know, one of the first nice weekends in the spring, uh, normally the third weekend in May. And we have a big parade. It honors Kent Island's uh, history and heritage. Many food vendors, many displays, artifacts, all of our historic sites in downtown Stevensville are open for that day. One of the things that you do, uh, that you showcase on uh, Kent Island Day <clears throat> is in fact the restoration work and the preservation work that you've done in Stevensville. Say, say a word about, about that brick and mortar and hands-on kind of, uh, of restoration work that you do. Yeah, thank you, Hal. We own several sites in downtown Stevensville uh, that come from that um, early, late 1800s, early 1900s era. The old post office, the Cray House, which is actually from 1809, one of the first houses in what is currently Stevensville. Uh, the old train station, which was moved from the railroad track north of town, down into town, a caboose. And then we, we lease and are currently in the process of trying to buy the bank, the historic Stevensville Bank, right in the middle of town. Uh, we also partnered with uh, a local community group, Friends of Christ Church, in uh, restoration of the historic Christ Church in downtown Stevensville. That church, by the way, is the earliest Anglican parish in Maryland, one of the earliest in the country. And it was actually, and it's an extension of the small church established by William Claiborne that he set up down at his Kent Fort on Southern Kent Island. Moved up to Broad Creek, was there for several hundred years, and then from Broad Creek into downtown Stevensville. I might add that Broad Creek was the, the biggest town on the island and on the Eastern shore from mid 1600s to early 1700s. And it became kind of the, the locus of uh, shipping in, in and out of the island and movement of people and goods all the way throughout the shore. Eventually though, the creek silted in, uh, Broad Creek and the a new harbor was found up through uh, Cox's Creek, all the way up to the headwaters of Cox's Creek. And a new town was established in Stevensville, 
using the uh, harbor on the back end of, uh, of town for shipping goods. And then the railroad came in shortly after that and Stevensville grew. And if you really want to see an old, old Eastern shore town, like you said, man, stop into Stevensville and see those historic sites. Now you can call the Kent Island Heritage Society through our website, kentislandheritagesociety.org and arrange for a special tour of any of our sites. Sites are open for Saturday of every month and we're gonna begin that in August. Um, as you might think, our because of the pandemic, we were not able to do our Kent Island Day this year and some of the other events that we would like. Jack, what did you do uh, when uh, in uh, March, uh, over a year ago, the, um, the shutdown occurred? You're a hands-on organization and you, you uh, welcome groups, students, uh, tourists, visitors to the sites right. uh, that, you, uh, that you maintain. Um, what did you do <clears throat> for your work when the lockdown came? Well, first of all, how we had to let people know we were going to have to lock down. And it, it really was a matter of community responsibility. So even though we, you know, we just kind of sucked it in, we weren't, we had no idea it would last as long as it did, but it certainly was the right thing to do. And what we did, we kind of got our heads together. We went virtual with our, our meetings and we looked at what kind of planning we could do over the, uh, over the long run. Uh, one of them was to look at the potential of uh, purchasing the historic Stevensville Bank, uh, which is right in town. The owner of the bank, uh, Marsteller family, wonderful family, had leased that bank to the Heritage Society for many years, for a dollar a year, believe it or not, for us to show, maintain a show as a historic site. They let us know right around the time the pandemic started that they were looking to sell the bank and they would like it to come to us, but we would need to be able to, to buy it. So that's, that's a big part of our effort that we've been done this year, that we've been doing. We have, we have a number of uh, virtual presentations that we have done over the years that we have notified folks, we are available to come out or to go online and talk about Kent Island history. Some of the stuff we're talking now in maybe more detail or any aspect of our history that uh, groups may be interested in. And we've done a number of those. Uh, and they're, they're frankly, they're a lot of fun. We also uh, engaged uh, Queen Anne's Cable TV to work with us in putting together uh, some virtual tours of our sites, which we're, we're re getting ready to release very shortly. It took a lot longer than we thought, but we had the opportunity work with student interns in, uh, in doing that project. So we were more than happy to, to be able to do that. Well, let, let me go back to the third span of the Bay Bridge. The plans are underway. Could you update us on where the plans are right now? Well, you know how the state has said that the tier one NEPA study will be the current iterate will be finished next year. They have gone out, they've gotten their 
uh, public input, the public input period ended in mid-May. They're putting all that data together. From what I could see, most of the public input we're having it in this area was negative. So I'm honestly, I'm not sure where they're gonna go. Um, I am involved in a, another group, not the ones looking at, at the future crossing, but looking at the current challenges that we have, the here and now issues on the bridge. We have a meeting next week. And part of that is to update the group on where that tier one NEPA study stands. So I, I wish I had a little bit more up-to-date information, but I know they're, they're in the information gathering stage and expect some kind of uh, a, uh, an announcement sometime next year. I, I'm pleased that uh, you came on today and updated us uh, on both what the Heritage Society is doing and also your uh, work on uh, the bridge planning um, activities. So thank you for joining me this morning and congratulations on the important work you're doing with the Kent Island Heritage Society. And I wanna thank all of you for listening. This is Delmarva today. I'm your host. Harold Wilson.